The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Robots Radio presents... In my experience, if you want to do real good, playing nice only gets you so far. I mean, look at Diamond City, a place I've been trying to warn of real danger. But every issue I publish, all I hear is, Oh, Piper, why don't you ever publish anything happy? Piper, why can't you write something nice for a change? It's enough to make me want to hang up my hat some days. Is Diamond City really in danger? It's not like there's raiders pounding on the gate. Are you kidding me? There is a very real chance the city leadership has been infiltrated by an institute synth. A synth under the control of an organization widely known to kidnap or murder anyone that stands up to them. I'd take raiders at the gate any day of the week over that. Of course, making sure folks are actually listening... (laughs) That's a battle in itself. So I'm sitting here trying to figure out the best word to describe Piper right with. Kind of quirky, driven, an upstart, somebody who's consistently ready to, I don't know, get underneath somebody else's skin <laughs> in the in a good kind of way, you know, stick it to the man, that kind of thing. I don't know who it is that she reminds me of, but she definitely reminds me of somebody. There there are influences in this character that uh, maybe some of you guys will recognize better than I will. That, that definitely come from movies or characters, you know, actual people we know about. I can't think of a good analogy, though. I wish I could because I would put it here in the beginning of the episode. But um, I'm going to leave that on you guys. Let me know who you think Piper Wright reminds you of. Now, for those of you who uh, only interacted with her a little bit or didn't at all or didn't even play Fallout 4, I mean, chances are you have to interact with her some because she's part of the main quest line in the game. Let's talk about Piper. Now, as a reminder, Piper is a reporter who lives in Diamond City in Fallout 4, so the year is 2287. She's also a potential companion and romantic interest for your character. She runs a newspaper called The Republic Occurrences. And I find that to be a really interesting name, especially because Republic is spelled with a CK at the end. And the phrasing of it, Republic Occurrences, feels antiquated. And I think that's on purpose because the newspaper itself, and let's get into the newspaper before we even get into our character, because I think that there's there's some depth here. According to the fallout.gamepedia.com article on 
public occurrences. It says it gets its name from the first newspaper ever published in Boston all the way back in 1690. The newspaper had gotten on the bad side of Mayor McDonough and by extension has earned the ire of the entire city, resulting in the newspaper's founder becoming ejected from the city. It is run by a reporter called Piper and her younger sister, who mostly hands out the papers. Nat. Piper is very much against the Institute and often expresses this in her newspaper. And you can tell by just some of the titles of the articles here. Fear the future. Moving forward. The boogeyman banished the synthetic truth. So, you know, names like that for articles. Now, let's dig in a little bit to the public occurrences and the title and where this comes from. This is actually the absolute uh, same spelling for public occurrences and the full title of that from the original newspaper, the first newspaper actually published in the Americas is public occurrences, both foreign and domestic. And the spelling here is something out of an old English book or a Shakespearean thing. Uh, it, public occurrences, O C C U R R E N C E S, both foreign F O R R E I G N and domestic with a C K at the end. Very, I don't know, 1700s, 1600s spellings, maybe. And I don't think that was on purpose. I think that this this is a time period where spelling was in flux and some of these words hadn't yet solidified in English. So they may have had even older versions of these words being spelled in different ways. So I'm not going to speculate too much on that. Um, I don't know a ton about that kind of thing, but it that's what it feels like to me. So let's go into this. Public occurrences, both foreign and domestic, was the first multi-page newspaper published in the Americas. And I'm pulling this from Wikipedia. Before then, single-page newspapers called Broadsides were published in the English colonies and printed in Cambridge in 1689. The first edition was published on September 25, 1690 in Boston, then a city in the Dominion of New England, and was intended to be published monthly, or if any, glut of occurrences happen oftener, as quoted by the actual paper itself. It was printed by American Richard Pierce of Boston, and it was edited by Benjamin Harris, who had previously published a newspaper in London. The paper contained four six by ten inch pages, but filled only three of them. I guess there wasn't enough information back back in the day. Now, this is where it gets interesting. There was only one edition ever printed. The second edition was was shut down. So before they even got the second edition out. The paper was shut down by the colonial government on September 29th, four days after the first edition came out, who issued an order as follows. Whereas some have lately presumed to print and disperse a pamphlet entitled Public Occurrences, Both Foreign and Domestic, Boston, Thursday, September, period, 25th, 1690, without the least privity and countenance of authority. The governor, N-O-U-R, and council, having had the pursuit, perusal, sorry, of said pamphlet and finding that therein contained reflections of very high nature, as also sundry doubtful and uncertain reports, do hereby manifest and declare their high resentment, spelled differently, and disallowance of said pamphlet and order that the same be suppressed and called in, 
strictly forbidden any person or persons for the future to set forth anything in print without license first obtained from those that are or shall be appointed by the government to grant the same. So it seems that the information posted in this first edition of the first paper in the Americas was controversial. So let's get back to Piper Wright and her public occurrences, which seems to be of a similar vein or a similar spirit, I guess you could say. We have a paper that is being condemned by the people who are in charge because it's talking about things that may or may not be publicly acceptable. And it seems to be riling some people up. So, you know, the government is putting its thumb down on it. That seems to be what happens with these sometimes. And this is exactly what's happening with Piper Wright. So let's dig a little bit deeper into this and talk about Piper's background before we get even further into some of what's actually going on in the game. Piper grew up in a small community on the outskirts of the Commonwealth with Nat and their father, a member of the local militia. After her father was found dead under suspicious circumstances, Piper learned that he had discovered a raider plot to sack the town. His superior, Captain Mayburn, arranged to leave the main gate open and unguarded one night to allow raiders access in exchange for a cut of the loot and had Piper's father murdered to keep him silent. So immediately from the beginning, you have an origin story of a young woman dealing with the death of her father and suspicious things going on. I love some of these stories in Fallout because they do a good job setting up the character, a character like Piper, who is suspicious of the things happening with the Institute and with the synths comes from an origin story where something suspicious was going on personally in her life and it led to a very tragic circumstance. So it makes sense that she would be driven to find the truth and to help other people not have similar issues in their lives with their loved ones. It continues, the local authorities did not believe her claims and refused to investigate. Piper then created and circulated wanted posters featuring the captain and a list of his crimes. The conspicuously public accusation got the attention of the town's mayor, who accepted Piper's evidence. The settlers, outraged by the story, exiled Mayburn. When the raiders eventually showed up, expecting the gate to be wide open, they instead encountered prepared defenses by alerted townsfolk and were driven away. So, bold move. And maybe, maybe the term I'm looking for here is ballsy. She's a very ballsy woman, I guess you could say. This idea that she called him out publicly in pamphlets that were printed. Now, this connects back to a, a penchant for writing and printing things and using that to convey information. So therefore, eventually a newspaper. But this also conveys information in a way that has traditionally been very useful in American politics to motivate people and that is through the news media it's also through posting things publicly in public forums which is actually a right i, I read about this recently with all the political upheaval in in our system and people being upset about different kinds of things there's some debate around the idea that holding demonstrations getting together publicly marching 
having sit-ins, those kinds of things don't really make much of an effect. I mean, think about how many demonstrations we've had publicly in the last few years about all sorts of different kinds of topics. And how much has that actually moved the needle politically or changed anything when it comes to political representation? There's a theory that a better way to do this is to do what like Piper did here and to put the information in some sort of principle form that's able to be moved and put it in a public place. And we actually have the right to do this. This is in the Constitution. We have the ability to do this in public spaces. One of the things I've heard about is this idea of creating banners and hanging them over interstate highways so that hundreds of thousands of people see these things. And you could put it up and then you could take it back down and then you could put it up and you could take it back down. It's a, it would be a form of advertising in a way, but it is legal. It is legal to do this in a public space with something that is temporary, especially when it comes to issues of public safety and some of the stuff that's going on in politics now. So I wouldn't be surprised if you didn't see more of that and less of the demonstrations because the demonstrations just don't seem to be moving the needle very much. But if you can inform more people, then maybe that actually will. The other thing here is that by putting something in a public space, it's different than posting it, say, on social media. Everybody and their mom is posting everything that they care about, about anything on social media. And for the most part, our political leaders ignore it. It doesn't matter if you tag them. It doesn't matter what you do with that. It doesn't matter if you call them. Oftentimes, that doesn't really move the needle. But displays like this in public places actual physical public places may have a more effective reaction. So let's go back from our world to the world of fallout. And here you have something just like that happening. And Piper used this as a means of getting what needed to be done for public safety reasons. So again, very ballsy, but effective. So the article goes on and says, eventually Piper and Nat saved enough money to relocate to Diamond City, where she began her career as an investigative journalist. Her fervor for discovering the truth made her popular for a while, but eventually public opinion turned against her because her articles were seen as being too negative. Piper's work yields results often at the expense of her own safety. For example, in the sole survivor's first encounter with Piper, she has gotten herself locked out of Diamond City on the orders of McDonough, the city's mayor, after Piper published an article suggesting correctly that the mayor was, in fact, a synth. So, although she's very ballsy, <laughs> she's not necessarily the most uh, tactically inclined about releasing this information. I think she probably should have understood that by releasing this information, it was going to get some uh, response from the authorities. And so she was kicked out. But isn't this what real journalism is? Isn't this the place and the role of journalism in our own society? Aren't people like Piper heroes? And we have to look at this through a lens, and I guess I'll go into this a little bit more after the break, but it's the way that the journalism is done that really sets some people apart from others. 
So to continue her story, furthermore, Piper was responsible for exposing a caravan cartel for driving up food prices in Diamond City. The cartel retaliated by poisoning her drink at the dugout inn, but she managed to purge the poison by drinking moonshine and had several members of the cartel arrested. I didn't realize moonshine could, you know, fix poisonings, but that's awesome. Her investigation into irradiated drinking water at Bunker Hill led her to discover that the culprits were children of Adam cultists. Threatened with execution, Piper tricked the cultist into believing she had a vision from Adam. After the cult inducted her as a member, she managed to sneak away and send Bunker Hill security to deal with the cultists. Despite multiple death threats, assassination attempts, and a near execution, finding herself in sticky situations is a point of pride for Piper, who feels getting into trouble is just part of chasing the truth. All right, we're going to dig into this a little bit more after the break, so stay tuned. Hello there, old chap. Good to see another of General Atomic's finest still eager to serve. Hey there, Wastelanders and Vault Dwellers. This is your host, Tom, or Robots, coming to you in the middle of the episode. And there's not a whole lot to go over this week. Um, I do want to note that we knocked out a recording, the next recording for the Fallout Hub podcast. And if you haven't been listening to that, it has everything you would absolutely need to know about Fallout 76 and the things going on in the Fallout community and lots of good stuff. I do it with Ken from the Chad of Fallout 76 podcast and Dave from the Vault Boys WV. So go check that out, the Fallout Hub, if you haven't listened to it yet. Uh, the, the most recent episode, because the newest episode isn't quite out yet, was our interview with Pete Hines and Ox Horn and Juicehead and lots of lots of good information and a lot of fun stuff. We did some fun games and things. So go check that out. And this next episode's coming out soon and we will be discussing the Wastelanders update for Fallout 76 and our own impressions and how far we are in the game so far with that. So stay tuned for that. Also, thank you again for tuning in. Thank you for all of your support. And if I'm doing a good job, if I'm keeping you entertained, then please consider uh, telling a friend about the show or signing up on Patreon, patreon.com slash fallout lorecast for even just $1. You can get an ad free experience, which is super great. I mean, who doesn't want an ad free experience, right? And then uh, for more than that, you get even all sorts of other stuff like special sections of the discord you can access or uh, discounts on the fallout store, which um, I mean the robots radio store, which Actually, is kind of cool because there's a new Buddy Bot shirt on the store that has a specially designed art piece. I had I paid for an artist to do a rendering of Buddy Bot, and it's on a new T-shirt. So go check that out at the Robots Radio store. You can check out all of that stuff and all the other shows on the network at Robri at Rebirderberderberb. What am I saying? Robotsradio.net. All right. I'm going to stop uh, making up words into this microphone for right now and move on to the rest of the show. If you have any questions about Nuka World, I'd be delighted to answer them. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line 
prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. So let's talk about Piper and her particularly brave approach to journalism and journalism in general. So in a world of fake news, and this is where we are in our society, we we are part of that 24 hour news feed system situation where all of the networks are constantly trying to put out whatever information they can as fast as possible. And the news has been commercialized in a way that what drives the news stories is what gets the most clicks. So you end up with clickbaity articles and titles. You end up with very little research. A lot of news organizations have cut back on actual investigational journalism and have focused more on editorial. And when you think of editorial, think of emotional language and opinion. Those are the things that people eat up. And we've been primed for this through our entertainment, through the kinds of shows we watch, through reality TV. We're primed for this. But in our system, we don't have enough of this investigative journalism happening. And what's so cool about Piper is that she, at her heart, is an investigative journalist. And we have to take that word investigate and put it in the right context. Investigate doesn't just mean get whatever information you can, thoughts and opinions, and just publish all of it. That's not investigative journalism. Investigative journalism is actually a sibling to the scientific process. And the scientific process requires that you have evidence, that you have hypotheses and that you test that evidence against those hypotheses and when something doesn't stand you note it when something doesn't actually prove itself to be true it is documented and you go with a new hypothesis and that that process is built out and in that process is a certain level of humility this ability to say you know what i used to think x I learned some more evidence about X. X is not right. I, I've learned that I was I was wrong. It may be Y. It may be Z. It may be L. It may be one of these other things. I'm going to go investigate that next. And then on top of all of that, you don't publish speculation unless you are at least a certain amount 
sure or able to communicate the value of the search itself. And this seems to be what Piper is doing. She's uncovering hard evidence about specific individuals being synths, the kinds of things that are happening in the Commonwealth, especially when it's in regards to who the Institute is and what they are doing to dismantle or affect the events of her community. And she's doing this through a a lens of trying to get to the truth. Trying to be, I, I don't know that she would describe herself as heroic, but this is what heroes do. They find the truth, they act on it, and even when it puts themselves in danger, they justify their actions based on what is best for the common good. What is best for others. And so, in a real true sense, she is one of the most heroic characters you come across in Fallout 4. She's not the only one, but in her way, she is a hero. So let's talk a little bit more about her personality. So in researching for this episode, I found this really interesting article on Gameskinny.com about Piper specifically. And uh, this article notes here, when Piper is your companion, choose generous, mean dialogue choices or those that de-escalate a situation. Avoid those that are selfish, such as asking for a higher reward or that might lead to a fight. Stealing or lockpicking should be avoided while Piper is around as she disapproves of both. Now, they've listed a variety of specific and repeatable actions that you can actually use here. Uh, actions that improve your relationship with her include healing dog meat, modifying your armor, picking a lock that is not owned. So she doesn't want you breaking into somebody else's owned location. But somehow, I guess if there's just a lock somewhere that nobody owns, somehow she telepathically knows this. I don't know. But that's fine with her. Choosing a generous dialogue option when speaking to another character. So being generous. Choosing a mean dialogue option when speaking to another character. So she's she, she likes when you kind of get under other people's skin a little bit. Donate items gained from miscellaneous quests and help innocent civilians. But you should avoid stealing, pickpocketing someone, or picking owned locks, lying to other characters. Now, there is one exception about this, and that is members of the Brotherhood of Steel. She's okay with you lying to them. Choosing a violent dialogue option, so things like intimidating other characters. Choosing a greedy dialogue option, so bribing and demanding more caps, those kinds of things. She definitely doesn't like eating a corpse, murdering a non-hostile character, and helping the Institute in any quest. So this article goes on and actually posts some uh, one-time actions with positive effects and then very positive effects. So positive effects include giving Vault-Tech rep a new home, joining the Minutemen, joining the Railroad. She's cool with both of those factions. Replying sarcastically to Finn in Good Neighbor. Convincing Mama Murphy to stop taking chems in the Museum of Freedom. So getting off of drugs. Refusing to join the Brotherhood of Steel faction when Dance asks you to. Imogene takes a lover, so this is a specific quest. Give Imogene the mysterious serum you just got from the previous special delivery quest. In the Disappearing Act quest, you can talk Doc uh, Crocker down peacefully. She likes that. 
The Devil's Due quest, returning the Deathclaw egg to its nest, which is interesting. She's all about doing the right thing, even when it comes to a Deathclaw. Tradecraft quest, tell the truth about Deacon when speaking to Desdemona. So interesting there now the very positive effect statuses include things like uh in sheep's clothing giving danny a stim pack before confronting mayor mcdonough in sheep's clothing also demanding that mayor mcdonough stand trial for his actions so supporting her views on this the hole in the wall quest giving austin the cure to the mole rat disease instead of keeping it or asking to split the dose human error quest Siding with Honest Dan slash Amelia Stockton and killing Dr. Chambers. And Confidence Man convincing Travis to stand up for himself. In the Silver Shroud quest, saving Kent Connolly at the end. Diamond City Blues quest, stopping Paul Pembroke from shooting Henry Cook. Mystery Man, or Mystery, mystery Meat, I guess I should say. Discovering what caused the food poisoning and in a random encounter saving Jules the synth from being killed by Fred and Angie who are humans and that's probably the most interesting one because you're saving a synth from humans and she's very against the Institute but she's not specifically against synths because Joining the railroad is a positive thing for her. So maybe she's against the subterfuge of the Institute and the replacing of a people with synthetic versions of them, which makes sense. But when it comes to synths who are their own person, she believes in personhood for them as well. So a very interesting twist and a very specific kind of perspective on what she believes. And I like this about Piper because it's a nuanced opinion. And one of the things I've noticed about human intelligence is that people who tend to be more intelligent and not just intelligent in a uh, processing capacity, like they, they do math faster or they memorize things faster. Intelligence in a have made a point to be well-read, have made a point to understand things, to delve deeper, to be willing to understand perspectives that they don't necessarily agree with. People who have taken the time to delve into multiple topics and try to understand them as objectively as possible without becoming too emotionally caught up in what whatever the result of the answer will be, tend to have more nuanced opinions. These and going back to the the news cycle, this idea of simplified opinions, simplified emotional reactions to things is the complete opposite of a nuanced and a considered opinion. And Piper is the kind of person who shows that she's willing to delve deeper. She's willing to let the information define for her what her opinion should be about a thing and then she mixes in a certain level of morality and a certain level of caring for other people and she comes to a conclusion and i think that that is fundamentally the healthiest way for us to engage with information it's that combination of both scientific objective inquiry 
a certain level of skepticism and trying to get to what the objective truth is about a situation and combining that with morality. Morality without skepticism is dangerous because we end up believing things that aren't necessarily true and we end up acting for what we think is the better good, but when it actually isn't. Skepticism and scientific process without morality turns into things like the Isle of Dr. Moreau. You know, you have, you have human testing and all sorts of terrible things and people justifying doing things for the ends and disregarding the means. It takes both. And I find that Piper is the kind of person who has both. And that is a very positive trait. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on Piper and if she was a companion that you felt connected to or if you romanced her at some point in the game. Um, I brought her along pretty regularly in my playthrough, but she wasn't one of my main companions. But she was somebody who I identified with. I thought she was a good character and an interesting person. And there were there was a good amount of depth to her character. So I really did appreciate that. Well, all right, Wastelanders, Fault Dwellers, that's it for this episode. Until next time, fight for the truth, fight for the truth, and, you know, do what you need to do. But also make sure that you found the truth first. <laughs> do, do the rigorous study. All right, I'll talk to you guys next time. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Fallout Lorecast. All sounds and music are owned by Bethesda Softworks, and no copyright infringement is intended. If you have something you'd like to contribute to the show, please contact us at falloutlorecast at gmail.com or follow us and post some messages to us on Twitter at falloutlorecast. And if you'd like to support the show, tell a friend or check out the rewards you can get for becoming a patron at patreon.com slash falloutlorecast. I really appreciate you listening and I'd love to hear from you soon. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.